Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Iris Pullett with us here today, who is a marketer, writer, speaker, and founder of Your Success Ace. As a career and personal branding strategist, she is obsessed with brain hacking to enable human flourishing and believes, oh, I love human flourishing. I love that. And believes that our work life plays a big role in our sense of fulfillment. Her mission is to help professionals and entrepreneurs get unstuck, take ownership of their success, and to live their fullest potential. Iris leverages her training as an applied positive psychologist practitioner, as well as two decades of experience in nonprofit and corporate, mostly in tech environments, to help her clients thrive through career and transitions. Iris is a co author of the best selling books. Mastering the Art of Success and How to Be Crazy Amazing During Difficult Times. It's been featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. She regularly speaks about personal branding, thriving through career transitions, and brain hacking, most recently at VM World, Elevate Events, and Tech Village Podcasts. Embracing her multi-passionate nurture, nature, she is also a co-producer of the three-time telly and four-time Emmy Award-winning documentary, A New Leash on Life, The Canines for Warriors Story, as well as Dreamer a documentary exploring the journey of several influential entrepreneurs. Additionally, she recently joined a diverse and inclusive collective of female entrepreneurs and practitioners to launch The Reboot, a virtual resource hub dedicated to educating and inspiring professional women who are looking to create transformation in their lives. Iris, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Jesse. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited and have been looking forward to this. Oh, me too. It's, it's funny. Iris and I have had the schedule for quite some time and we've we've moved it back several times to accommodate the crazy amazing launch and now it's finally launched so here we are recording Yay! <laughs> congratulations to you as well yeah thank you thank you so why don't we start there so iris and i know each other through the crazy amazing book that we had got the opportunity to be co-authors with tell us a little bit about your section of it and what it was about you know your whole process of it sure so um my chapter actually started as an article so about a month into covid and by the way i went into covid totally thinking oh this is nothing you know i've worked remotely for over a decade this is fantastic everyone will be working remotely and about a month in i was like wait a second I'm, I'm binge watching stupid shows like this is not me you know what is going on here right and Whenever I feel that sense of like helplessness, I'm like, okay, what can I do to help others in order to help myself, right? That, that's just my, my MO. So I love writing. I, I've done several article series on, on LinkedIn about our character strengths and on brain hacking. Um, so I'm like, let me sit down and, and write something about how we could actually thrive through COVID. And my go-to is almost always positive psychology, right? So whereas regular psychology just takes us to neutral, positive psychology looks at what actually makes us thrive uh, and be resilient and take us above neutral. So I looked at the, you know, the basics of positive psychology and picked out my favorite things that I was doing to really cope and, and thrive through COVID. Um, and when Anne-Marie um, was looking to, to create the book, um, she saw the article and she was like, oh, would you mind contributing a chapter? And 
I was like, okay, can I just take my chapter and like rewrite it and take the article, rewrite it a little bit and dump it in? Cause there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And she was like, sure. And, and that's basically where it came out of. And um, when you mentioned handfuls of hope, I was like, oh my God, hope is one of those things. One of the pieces that, that we could lean into um, during difficult times and, and help us, you know, cope and, and thrive through them. What is hope to you, Iris? I'm curious, what is hope to you? So hope is a lot of things to me. Um, I'm very fortunate that hope is actually one of my, my core signature strengths. So there's um, an assessment called the VIA Character Strengths Assessment. Uh, it basically pulls up 24 character strengths across um, six global virtues. Um, and hope is always in my top five. And I didn't realize until, you know, really in the last year that actually having hope in your signature strengths is very rare. Like a very small percentage of people globally have that in their signature strengths. Um, and I, I always view that as this amazing tool in, in like in my arrow quiver, if you will, because it allows me to take a look at stuff. And, and it's not about just being like fake happy. It's about having optimism that regardless of what's going on and how bad things are, you could take a look at it and say, you know what, I know something good is going to come out of this. Or even if I won't realize what that is, you know, this is happening for me, not to me. And I need to look at it from the perspective of, you know what, if I have that hope and optimism, how is my behavior going to be different, right? Um, and that's, that's what hope is to me. <laughs> you do a lot of work with folks who are in career transitions. Yeah. Does hope factor into anything for them with those who make successful transitions and those who don't? And why I'm asking you the question for career transition specifically, because I think there's a lot of folks who are in career transitions. I think nearly all of us listening and watching are in some phase of transition in our life. And I just, I just want to throw that out there too. So you, to sprinkle transition into the, the career specific, as well as maybe a little bit of a general answer too. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're looking at career specifically, um, some of my clients are post layoff. I mean, that's just a reality. Um, and there have been tons of people that were impacted by COVID specifically, right? Either furloughed or completely laid off. Um, and those that have a sense of hope and optimism, like, as I said previously, that it's happening for them, not to them, tend to bounce back a lot faster and find themselves in roles that they're happier in, they end up making more money. And those that don't and hold on to that sense of, you know, hopelessness and, and, and victim mentality don't. And some take a lot longer to bounce back and some just, just don't. And, and I think that applies not just to the workplace. I think it's in general in life. If, if you don't have hope, you can't have a vision for what you want to create in your life, right? And without that vision, without that clarity, how, how are you supposed to, to create amazing things, right? Um, so that's usually the, the perspective that, that, I, that I see from you know, clients that come across my path. And especially during COVID, there's a lot of people that were initially not necessarily um, post layoff, we're just looking to create change in their life. And they're like, oh, I better hold off because it's COVID and there's no opportunities, right? Mm. Um, 
And to that, I would say, am I allowed to curse? Should I yes. say? Oh, okay. And the reason that that is bullshit is because I've seen so many examples of people that started new businesses during COVID and they're thriving, right? A good friend of mine, um, Robbie Samuels, he is an expert when it comes to networking and engagement at conferences. And through COVID, he was ever able to pivot his business to focus on online engagement. And now he's, he's a Zoom expert and he's, his business is doing better than ever before, right? And there's so many people that are starting businesses because they're looking at it as an opportunity. Like whenever there's a crisis, any sort of crisis, there's opportunity to help others. And if you're able to tap into that, it allows you to, to pivot and, and be successful. And, and it feeds itself because the second you, know, you pivot and you look at the opportunities, the more, the more you take step towards it, the more amazing things happen that, that you wouldn't have otherwise expected. So. You and I were talking a little bit beforehand around purpose and meaning in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. And then we got into a discussion around identity and how identity is formed around who we are professionally. Would you talk a little bit about that? Because I find that such a fascinating thing. And I, I was sharing with you that I, I speak on loss, the TED talk I did was around loss, and I will often use loss intentionally because I think that many of the experiences around grief, sadness, despair is similar for people regardless of it, if it's death or loss of a job, specifically because I find for many, and I'm probably one of these ones too, I realize that such a massive part of my identity is intertwined with who I perceive myself as professionally. Yeah. And if I were to ever lose that, gosh, I don't know what I would do because it, because it is such a massive source of meaning and purpose in my life. Yeah. And look, I don't, I don't mean to belittle personal loss. Obviously losing a loved one is, is tragic, but even if you look um, at people's, let's say top 10 New Year's resolutions, a big percentage of those are related to workplace and furthering your career and furthering your education. And if you look at it as a percentage compared to like spending more time with family, it's really disparate, right? Uh, so I, I think people's identity through work, especially if you, we look at the history of work, right? Traditionally people, uh, you know, went to college, graduated, went into the workforce, and, and some people, especially the baby boomers, spent sometimes their entire career with one or two companies. So their identity was very much intertwined through their work, right? In today's day and age, it's very different. I mean, especially, I mean, I look at things from the, the tech perspective, but in general, if you look at statistics from the Labor Bureau, right, uh, the current median tenure for employment is 4.2 years. In the tech oh, industry- No kidding. Yes, and in the tech industry, it's even shorter. So that creates this perpetual cycle of, you know, I need to go out there and find the thing that I want to do and interview and get the job and then end up in the job where I might be miserable again. But at the same time, you're taking on the, the identity of, of the company and where you work as a big part of who you are. And if you're constantly having to change that, um, instead, of, instead of having a very strong sense of self and your own personal brand and what you bring to the plate, it, it's definitely depleting, you know? So, um, 
I think when it comes to a sense of loss, th there is a very similar sort of like the steps of grief that, that are attached to, to the loss of a job or a loss of, of an employment opportunity, you know? That 4.2 year turnaround, I had no idea it was, it was that small now. It's, and, and do you find, and I'm gonna form this question as I'm asking it, <laughs> do you find that there is a, Actually, I guess I scratch that. I'm going to ask do you, what differences do you observe in the person who's making that transition every two to four years, as opposed to the person who's making the transition 10 or 15 years in? So it obviously it depends on the person because there, there's just as many people that have been in the same place for 10 years as they have been for two years. I think if you have a strong sense of self and, and internal validation, um, I think Vishen Lakiani refers to it as being unfuckwithable, right? It's, are you getting all your validation externally or are you like, as stuff comes at you, do you say, okay, I, I'm very secure in my values and my beliefs and I'm going to take this in and observe it and decide whether this is something I want to take on or not, mm. right? So I think whether you've been somewhere 10 years or whether you've been somewhere two years, if you have that strong sense of self, it, it's a lot easier, right, to make the transitions because you know your value, you know what you bring to the plate. Um, and, and granted, I think for people that have been somewhere for 10 years and expect it to be there longer and they're sort of like forced to make the change, sometimes it's more difficult. Um, whereas I think for some of the younger generation that is used to be, to have that switch happen a little faster, um, it's a little bit easier. But even for them, if they're not comfortable with, with self-promoting and understanding their own self-value, um, it, it becomes a more difficult process, right? For people who are in a career transition right now, whether it's because they were laid off from COVID, they're in an industry that's being dried up because of the, out, the, the fallout of COVID, or it's somebody who's willfully stepping away saying, you know what, hey, maybe they're having an introspective moment and just saying, I don't wanna be a part of this anymore, I wanna go for something else. Is there any, like, you know, the one, the two, the three things that you would highly recommend anybody in that transition space to do that these are absolute must for making a successful career transition? Yeah. So um, I find myself saying this, even though, you know, a lot of my clients come to me for, for, for being a personal branding strategist, right? Don't start with your LinkedIn and resume. That's usually the go-to. Oh, let me just, you know put a little shine on my resume, put it out there, look at what um, job recs are out there. Don't, right? Stop and take a look internally at what actually brings you joy and what you want to be doing and what type of work environment you ac would actually thrive in. Because um, that then allows you to have that clarity, right? Without the clarity, we're not, we're not able to, to create what we actually want. And we end up on that, that little, you know, hamster wheel of, oh, I updated my resume and guess what? I ended up in the same damn job that I hated and the same thing happened all over the place. So it's like, you know, stop the insanity for a second and just give yourself the time to take a look at what you need and what you want. Regardless of what your current skills are, regardless of what job opportunities are out there, take a look at that. Um, and one of my favorite exercises to do with my clients is to have them, once they've done that, sit down and write their ideal job rack, you know, mm -hmm. that outlines like the 
the type of company they want to work for, the type of department and coworkers they want to work with, what they actually want to do day in and day out. And it's funny because most of my clients are not woo people. They're very practical people. And they're like, why are you making me do this stupid writing exercise? Right. And those are the ones that come back to me three months, six months later. And they're like, oh my God, I'm literally in that job right now. And, and it, it's not woo woo. It comes down to neuroscience. And you know, this about me, Jesse, I'm like obsessed with neuroscience. <laughs> it comes back to our brain, right? And if we're able to tell our brain, this is what I want, your brain focuses on finding it. Um, and if you tell your brain, I don't know what I want, and I'm looking at all these job racks, and none of them like really fit what I want, your brain is like, okay, so obviously I could go on vacation now because it, like I have no direction over here, right? So it is this little blend of, you know, art and science and a little bit of magic and a lot of like actual practical, you know, neurobiology that, that we need to consider. So I would definitely say step number one is to sit down and, and allow yourself to have the time to take a look at what is it that you want to do and, and what is it that you actually need to, to thrive, right? Uh, and then take a look at your personal brand and take a look at your LinkedIn profile and your resume and how you're showing up to make sure that it fits, not just what you've already done, but where you're going, right? So little things like viewing your resume and your LinkedIn profile from the perspective of a hiring manager or recruiter and not from your point of view, right? Because it's very easy for us to say, oh my God, I did so much in my past job and I'm just gonna like word vomit all over the page regarding all my duties. That's not what they care about. They care about the impact you had on the business. So you need to take a look at it from the perspective of quantifiable achievements and how you've impacted the business. So when they look at your resume or your LinkedIn profile, it's like that little blue pill that gets them super excited about you and want to spend some time with you to find out how you did those amazing things, right? Um, so that's step number two. And then step number three is really go to your network. The day of applying for a job online and getting it, they're over. You know, once it's it's online, it's it's already been filled in most cases, right? Mm -hmm. So I refer to them as carrier pigeons, and those are people within your network that know and love you and are willing to go up to hiring managers and recruiters and say, you need to take a look at this person, right? And I'm not saying like, just be opportunistic about it. I mean, obviously be authentic about it as you meet people. We gravitate towards, you know, working and interacting with the people that we, we enjoy working with, right? So build those authentic relationships. So you're able to go to those people and say, hey, I have all this new clarity about what I want. And I have this brand, brand new polished personal brand. Do you know of any opportunities? And that actually allows you to engage with people when the conversations are happening regarding like, oh, we need this type of role before the job rec is even created. And it gives mm. you a lot more power to be able to influence that, right? So I would say those are my top three. <laughs> that was incredible. I, I want to shift gears while we still have time to branding now. And I, I find this such a fascinating thing. And I'll, I'm full disclaimer, it's something I've massively struggled with my whole career. I have, I have totally immersed myself in this world and I would look at people like a Jack Canfield or a Tony Robbins and say, look at, they help all these people in so many different things. So I need to understand all these different things to be able to help. And then in so doing, what I'll do is I will take 
action around just, hey, I can make a help, I can make a difference there. So I just start doing more of that because it feels like it's the right thing. But then what I end up realizing and a lot of the feedback I've gotten is it makes your brand more diluted in the sense of nobody really knows what it is you do. Right. I think if I were to ask most strangers or people who haven't had like a little glimpse of my work or who haven't had a glimpse of my work who are just kind of outside observers, they wouldn't be able to articulate what I do. I think people, once they do the work, they get it. So when it comes to building a personal brand, you know, for those of us who are out there, we're actively trying to do it. We're, we're, what is it, what is it that most of us, you find most of us are not doing that we really, really should be doing? We're not promoting ourselves enough. And I know I look, I have the privilege of having been in marketing for two decades. Right. But every day I see brilliant people that just don't know how to position themselves. Right. And I think one of the things that Jack does in a wonderful way and Tony does in a wonderful way is they're very clear about the value that they bring and they communicate it clearly and unapologetically. Right. And I, whenever I do a personal branding training, I always end up with a slide with Muhammad Ali, you know, basically using one of his favorite quote, it's not bragging if you could back it up. Right. Mm. And it's true. Like so often we're afraid of like tooting our own horn and we're very stoic and we're like, our work should speak for itself, but it doesn't. And it's a very loud world out there. And honestly, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, you know what, I do have value and I am bringing all these amazing things to the, the plate. I think the more you focus on it again, in a very authentic way, I, whenever I share, um, you know, a speaking engagement or, you know, a new article that I write, I sincerely mean it where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited about the opportunity to speak here or to do that because it, it never gets old. Right. And, and for me, it's all about sharing that knowledge, right? Knowledge is the only thing we can share that we don't end up with less than, right? Mm -hmm. If anything, it just grows when we share it. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, if you're not promoting yourself, if you're not sharing what makes you awesome, you're losing an opportunity. You're basically robbing someone of the gift of you, right? And that's the way you need to look at it. Um, and I think I totally went off on a tangent, but- um, No, that was an incredible tangent. I, that, so <laughs> then how, I guess the next question would be is frequency and what does that sharing look like? Are we, are we sharing, like, if we're doing like, I, I guess in the world of social media, if we're doing four social media posts, is every third something like we're doing, is it, is it, is it putting testimonials up and just saying like, so grateful for testimonials like this? Like, what does that whole process look like? So look, there's so many formulas out there and oh, you should post every Tuesday at yes. 5 p.m. and all that. What the hell am I supposed to do? That changes and I look, I, like I said, I've been doing marketing for a long time and we do A-B testing with our agencies and stuff like that. And some quarters like having like blue in the background makes the post more popular and sometimes it's green. It's all bullshit. At the end of the day, you need to do what you're comfortable with to the level that you're comfortable with. But it, you need to remember that it's, it's like a muscle. Just like as we don't come out of the womb being able to run a marathon and we need to crawl first and fall on our ass a couple of times, it's the same thing with the way we promote ourselves, whether it's individually with our personal brand or whether it's you know as an entrepreneur with your business. 
What are you comfortable with? And also how, how often you do it depends on what you have time for. And I think quite often people don't invest in getting help. And I'm not just saying that, you know, because people hire me to, to help them with their personal brand, but I'm saying that from, from an investment, when you make an investment in yourself and in your business, it's the only time you see ROI immediately because you mm. see the impact that it has. Right. Um, and I think we need to take a look at, you know, what are we good at? What are we not so great at? And the stuff that we're not so great at, you know, farm it out or like barter with someone to, to be able to, to do it. I mean, I, I love marketing and I still farm out some, some of my stuff, right? Um, you need to take a look at it from the perspective of just starting, right? If I'm looking at posting, just post, you know, and do it authentically and share stuff that you're proud of and share stuff that you're excited about and go from there. And yes, customer testimonials are fantastic because you don't want to be another person on a soapbox. And that's whether you're an entrepreneur and getting customer testimonials for your business or whether you're an individual. Um, I often say in, in your LinkedIn profile, you could have testimonials from, from references from people you've worked with. And it's always great to have two for each role. One from someone that has managed you, so from one of your leaders, and one from an external customer that has seen the benefit of, of the work that you do. So, and that really helps you not to be another person on a soapbox, right? It's that third party validation um, that, that helps. But just, just start, you know, do it once a week. I mean, one of the, the main sort of arguments that I get against personal branding is, oh, I don't have time for it. And I'm like, that's bull, right? You know, there's so many like different tools now and ways to automate it. And even if you're not comfortable, you know, writing your own articles to become a subject matter expert, take a look at what other people are putting out there and share your opinion about it. Everybody has an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to tell you that your opinion is wrong. I mean, yeah, people will tell you your opinion is wrong. <laughs> yeah. but at least it begins a dialogue, yeah. right? Ah. And, and it allows you, so for five minutes, look at stuff that's on LinkedIn, look at an article that you found interesting, reposted with, with a comment about it, and just, just start working those muscles, right? Because otherwise, if you don't, they're just going to atrophy, right? <laughs> so... I absolutely love that. That was such a refreshing perspective and insight onto the world of branding and marketing because it is, I have had so many, oh yeah, A-B test, blue border, this border, that border, all those types of things. And it goes, it puts me literally into that overwhelmed smoke out of my ears. <laughs> that monologue of, I can't stand that stuff. Like I just, if it's gonna, if it's gonna come down to a blue border or a green border and to get like this message across, like I would rather just go and tell people who don't care about the border. And, yeah. you know, I just, I just, I just want to acknowledge you for that. That was so refreshing because for somebody like myself, that, that is extremely intimidating. It puts me right in overwhelm. And I always wrestle with why can't I just be me? And why does it have to be always? You should be you. And I yeah. think that's, I think one of the things that I see most often with people that they're like, oh, well, if I'm going to put, you know, I need to be everything to everyone in my personal brand. I need to put like everything on my resume and everything on my LinkedIn. So, you know, anyone looking at it would be interested. And I'm like, how's that freaking working out for you? Right. You're ending up in the same roles that you hate. So how about being a little bit more divisive and being yourself? And if that authentic you is turning people off, 
you're not meant to work with them. You're not meant to have them as customers. Like you want that. Those are like, you know, the 80% of clients that drive you nuts and give you 20% of your revenue, right? So if you're able to be divisive by being yourself, why not? It will mm -hmm. make sure that you attract people to you, attract opportunities to you that align with who you are at your core. And isn't like that the point of marketing, right? Like what's the point of getting 500 leads and when you qualify them, only like two are really potential customers, right? It, there's just no point to it. Iris, right. so. before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you online? Um, so I love LinkedIn. Um, so um, LinkedIn, it's just, you know, Iris Pollitt, put in Iris Pollitt, you'll be able to find me. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about brain hacking or career transitions or uh, personal branding, um, you could go to yoursuccess.ace.com. So yoursuccess.ace.com. Uh, that's my website. And um, yeah. That's about it. And we'll make sure we include all the links and the notes everywhere. They'll be on here somewhere. Iris, you, I feel like we barely scratched the surface and I am wildly fascinated because you seem to have such a multitude of passions, whether it's neuroscience, whether it's looking at these personal branding, career transition, the documentaries with the canines, the writing articles on LinkedIn. I'm really curious, what drives you? When you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed and you begin your day, what is it that compels you to do what you do? It's to help people embrace their awesomeness. I always like joke that I want to live to 100 because I need every second to like be able to to help people thrive. And when I say I'm obsessed with, you know, human thriving, I, I mean it. It's, it's not a shtick. I think so often we go through life and, and we're not living. We're just literally just like, you know, waking up in the morning. I might be dating myself now. Remember the guy from the Dunkin' Donuts commercials back in the 80s? It's time to make the donuts. You know, we're just going through the motions instead of living, right? Um, and that's what drives me. That's what, what, you know, makes me do all these cockamamie projects, you know, because it's, I mean, the canines, the canines projects is a perfect example. It's an organization in Florida that trains rescue dogs to be um, service dogs for veterans with PTSD. So not only are they saving the veterans life, which, I mean, if you look at statistics, about 22 veterans kill themselves every day because they just can't deal with, with, with life. Not only are they saving veterans who I have the utmost respect for, they're also saving a canine life, which most days I like dogs more than people, if I'm being honest. So and being able to share that, that story and, and not just because, look, PTSD doesn't just happen to veterans. It is, is something that everybody goes through trauma in life and it impacts us in different ways. And sometimes we don't even realize that it is impacting the way we're behaving, right? Um, but again, going back to positive psychology, being able to see that that yes, there's PTSD and you could choose to check off that box and say, okay, like th there's no hope. I'm, I have PTSD, I can't do anything about it. But just as often there is a concept called post-traumatic growth that allows you to be resilient and come back stronger and better. Uh, and I think the more people are aware of it, it's all about awareness. Like we can't be what we're not aware of. So the more we're aware of that, the more we're able to do it. So, um, 
yeah, that's what keeps me doing all the crazy stuff that I do. <laughs> Everyone, we watch, we listen. Iris gave us a smorgasbord of wisdom, insight, and just an incredible, I think, behind the curtain view of what goes into transitioning successfully in a career, personal branding. We talked about the three steps you can take if you're in a career transition. We talked about personal branding and the idea of throwing out some of the BS that you've been taught and really becoming and embracing who you are and being more authentically you, which gosh, that was such a breath of fresh air to me. <laughs> I love that we talked about too, we're looking at identity and starting to look at that identity piece and about what goes into who we are as professionals, how we show up. I had no idea that the Bureau of Labor Statistics was down to 4.2 or 4.3 years now for the average at job. And it's, it's even maybe less in tech in the twos. So this is a really incredible thing to consider about when we're in the space of transitions, when we're building our brands, and if we're looking at short game, long game plays, being, I guess, more intentional with it because we're the, the window of time we have to build is less, I guess, than it would have been before. Rather than having a 15, 20 year career of easing into it, we really need to be more intentional with those types of things. Waking up and going out to seek and helping people be awesome, and what an incredible way, and maybe it's something that we can all invite ourselves to take away from this conversation with Iris today. How can we integrate, how can we implement one thing that she shared, one or two things that she shared today to help us really tap into and be more awesome ourselves? I know for me personally that if I was more intentional with my, with my own probably putting myself out there, I think all of you who have followed me online for a while will say that you rarely ever hear me talk about those types of things it would probably open the doors for me to be able to serve more people, which is ultimately what drives me. And I am definitely going to take that to heart and work on integrating it. And Iris, I just, I thank you so much today. This was one that not only did <clears throat> I learn a lot from, but I'm deeply inspired by what I can take away to, to implement. So thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesse. This was so much fun. Absolutely. And, oh, and everybody got to make sure to get the crazy, amazing book that Iris and I are co-authors in. And remember, it's available for free. Or if you buy a physical copy, 100% of the proceeds go to charity. Yeah. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to